take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 21 of the Life in Red podcast. And uh, my guest today, I think, is one of... Uh, one of the most formidable people in Ottawa, if not Canada, the world, uh, the great Mallory Rowan. Thank you for coming on. You're welcome. That's <laughs> a lot to live up to. Right? That, but that's a, a I, I say that actually truthfully because if, for anyone who follows you on Instagram or any of you of your business ventures, like to not put it in like to layman term, like it's like hashtag goals. If I'm going to put it like millennial. Yeah, speaking our language. <laughs> like you took something. And you had a vision, and I think you did what so many people want to do uh, with their lives. Like, a lot of people talk about what they want to do, but you did what you want to do. Right. Um, To give some context, I'll let you describe your title because you have many different business (laughs) ventures. But what what exactly do you you do for a living? Yeah, so I'm one of the founders of an apparel company called LVD Fitness. It stands for Lift, Visualize, Dominate. Uh, And we created it to kind of merge the world of socially conscious apparel with fitness apparel. Um, We noticed a lot of athletes were into brands like Tentry or um, Tom Shoes. And we wanted to bring that to the fitness community. So we created a give back model Mm. and we worked with WaterAid Canada um, to provide one month of clean water to someone in a developing country for every item we sell. And that was because as athletes, like we use water in everything we do, right? We're drinking it. We're sweating out all the time. We have our protein shakes. And it's just crazy that other people don't have basic access. Uh, So that was kind of the inspiration behind that. And we've grown it mostly online. We started out in the powerlifting um, fitness niche, and we've just kind of grown from there um, into anyone really who cares about health and fitness and kind of creating their own standard. So that was my first venture that I started at the end of university. And since then, we've taken the lessons we've learned there and we're expanding and doing some marketing clients. So Mm. I started a marketing agency where we work with um, different companies that are passionate about their brand and help give them a better better voice online. Yeah. Uh, I know I've talked about this with a a couple guests, but um, the fitness industry is, it's, what coming from someone who's not in it, it was, it was interesting to me that there's so much, um, I don't know what the word is. It's not like bias, but there's a lot of standards, even with people who aren't necessarily in like the competitions Mm -hmm. in the, you know, uh, like what you said, powerlifting or CrossFit. Like, you know, you see those people on Instagram and like, okay, those are the gym people. But then even like standard people going to the gym, like there's a lot of, well, I don't know, not discrimination, but like, it's hard. It's hard for a lot of people. Um, was that part of? I know you said like the comf- being comfortable and, and yeah. looking at that apparel, but is that like the the big shirts for the bigger people? Like, do you also kind of cater to people who maybe don't fit that standard gym mole? Yeah, mold? definitely. Especially since we started in powerlifting. Powerlifting is a really cool sport because it empowers people not for what they look like, but what their body can actually do. And for a lot of women especially, it's a really great sport to get into because a lot of us go to the gym to lose weight, get toned, so to speak. And then once you start powerlifting, you realize what your body can actually do. And when you start focusing on that, the other things just kind of come along with it. Um, But we definitely, in the sport of powerlifting, we'll do from like two extra small to four XL. And something that a lot of people have noticed with us as well is that 
we use all sizes in our actual content. And it was always funny mm. when that got pointed out to us because we were just using our customers for photo shoots because we thought it was really fun. We had a lot of support in Ottawa, so we would just post and say like, hey, we're doing a shoot this weekend. Anyone who's interested, DM us uh, because we didn't want that supermodel look because that's not who we were. So yeah, it's definitely something that just kind of happens naturally when you're actually working to support a community. Um, and I think that's really important too because I think a lot of us, like going to the gym is a very insecure place to mm -hmm. be and you don't know, like, are people looking at you because they like your shirt or because you're doing an exercise wrong? And we tend to go always towards the negatives yeah. with a lot of that self-doubt already existing. Yeah, I noticed a lot of, I'm not going to name the brands, but like even myself, like I don't even fit into most of like the right the tight pants and I'm yeah. just like oh yeah this isn't good. yeah <laughs> so, um I guess following your journey on Instagram so there there was a post that stood out to me as I was refreshing myself yeah. on uh, as you as a guest that you started uh before all this uh you said you're a competitive dancer yeah um and I guess there was a point where you kind of were at uh, a weight or a body composition that you weren't happy with. Was it powerlifting that, like, was it powerlifting? Was it something, like, was it one day you just looked in the mirror that was like, I need to make a change? Was it a, an inspirational podcast, a video, uh, somebody in your life? Yeah. What What was that point where you're just like, no, Mallory's going to change who she is? Yeah, um, ah, that's a great question. Obviously, growing up in, like, a competitive dance space, there's a lot of body image there, right? Yeah. Like, I'll look back at photos now, and I'm like, wow, I was so skinny. But at the time, I was, like, the bigger girl, like, one of them, right? And it didn't mean I was super chubby. It just meant mm -hmm. compared to the very classic dancer. I was bigger. I was born more muscular. I was always leaning that way, you know? And so I think that was something that was kind of always there. And because I danced so much with competition season like you're really every spare waking minute you are at the studio so I was kind of aware of that in high school that like I was going to have to step up and do other things as dance started to phase out of my life moving into university so I did some stuff like I did pole fitness for a while um, I always knew that I wanted to be fit and I think I was also aware that I had to be fit in one way. Some people, you know, they can like eat all the junk food and they're really annoying because yeah. they just never gain weight. <laughs> like I knew that wasn't me. Yeah, it's not me either. Exactly. <laughs> so some there's a little bit of just that awareness of like if I just stop dance one day, I'm going to explode like quite literally. Um, so I think with the pole fitness, that was my first kind of interaction of combining like art with more strength because obviously dance has a lot of strength but it is very like art form based and the strength is just kind of coming with it without you realizing mm -hmm. and then in pole fitness there's a lot more like grabbing the pole and like you got to pull yourself up and similar to like a rope climb and so I started going to the gym to help with that and then as I started to go to the gym more I started to notice my body changing and then I think it was kind of once I started to get into that when I went to do some progress photos I was just like wow I really am like a little bit heavier than I used to be. And I definitely believe that I could do some things to change that, um, which is a really cool experience. Cause then when you look back, it's kind of crazy to think, cause I know for myself, like I can dress well to hide those parts. Mm -hmm. So it's hard. You don't get a lot of photos if you're not taking progress photos to see that side of it, which is why I always say a lot of people would never believe me that I was that size because mm -hmm. I could dress for it. Right. And I am naturally bigger in the bottom half and like that is heavier than most people being big, bigger in the top half. 
Um, but yeah, I don't know if there was a set moment. I think it was definitely like a smooth transition and something I've always been aware of, but there was definitely a shift from it being a negative thing to more of like an empowering and positive thing that I wanted to do as opposed to having to do it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I know for me it was, I, I, I did the similar thing. Like I was playing hockey forever, so I was fit. I was, yeah. it was good. And then I, I went to college and stopped playing. And then you see yourself after two years of college drinking eating and, and drinking yeah. and partying. And I'm like, oh my, what happened? Yeah. The yeah. pants wouldn't fit and everything. So um, one of the great things too, though, uh, like, so you've made some pretty incredible transformations uh, with yourself. You're growing with the business. But one of the, the most appreciative things I think, at least for me as a follower, is the honesty Mm-hmm. And that you are not the, not that person who's like you know you like you see like I said at the beginning like you're, people see you as like this person who's like goal she's right. accomplishing everything but right. you are not afraid to talk about yeah what you're struggling with the the dark days totally um people are like oh look Mallory's working out that's great but then you're like I I actually hate this yeah <laughs> how do you where do you find the motivation um t- to one post that type of stuff with people and be that open about yourself so you're i mean it's the world of the internet and with especially trolls and men that they're gonna find that stuff and try to poke it at you so one being that and two when you're actually there at the gym how do you find that motivation to overcome what you don't want to do yeah so well starting with the online space um It's funny because usually, you know, when you get like a thousand compliments, they say it takes one insult to undo it. But for some reason online, I kind of find it the opposite. If I get that one message from one person where the posts like really changed how they saw themselves or made them feel better because they didn't realize other people were going through the same thing. That's what really motivates me. And I kind of stumbled into it because um, a few of my friends, they actually made me post my lifting videos on Instagram. Like I did not do Instagram mm-hmm. before. I was like, no, it's kind of stupid. Like Facebook's the same as Instagram in the early days, right? Yeah, it was yeah. like, why would I just repost the photo there? Um, but once I started posting my lifting and then I would, you know, open up about some mindset stuff and then I would get this crazy response and I didn't realize that other people didn't know that other people felt that way. Like I think I've always been very self-aware and maybe a bit more emotionally intelligent, if you will. Um, so I knew that was something that a lot of people struggle with, but other people were living in these little bubbles where they thought they were the only one doubting themselves that way. Um, so honestly, just opening up about it, that's what really motivates me. And every time I do, I'll get a DM about somebody where it's like, I've taken this big stress off their shoulders. So that's always what really pushes me on that side of it. Um, and then in the gym, honestly, I think the best thing you can do is get confident in just knowing what you're doing. Um, because I think that's where a lot of people get self-conscious. Like if they're squatting and somebody's watching, at least for women, they often assume they're doing it wrong. Right. Mm. Or they're being judged because they're doing it a little weird or different or they're not lifting enough or they're lifting too much. Um, so I think just being able to equip yourself with the knowledge, um, in the gym, whether that's watching people's YouTube videos, you know, following some fitness people, getting a coach. I think that's really, really helpful because I know like if someone's staring at me at the gym, it's probably because he's impressed that I'm lifting decent weights and I don't find that offensive because Mm. it is impressive to a lot of guys. Right. Um, And I'm also confident that I am squatting. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. So if somebody's looking at me, I'm really not worried about what they're thinking. And I think that's the biggest difference. And that's actually when we were starting LVD, that was my original idea was like, how can I get 
women to just feel more confident in the gym. So that's something that I've kind of brought back into my life mm -hmm. and trying to be helping people with. Okay. Um, I think that's one of the biggest things for anybody trying to make a change in their life, uh, especially with the gym. It's finding a way to overcome that doubt. Um, it's easy to say when, you know, you're, you can, once you start getting there and you start being able to pull the weight, but mm -hmm. like, do you have advice for people? And this was always one of my biggest struggles when I was starting. And I think it's everybody because anyone can go to the gym. Yeah. It's really easy. Yeah. It's to, you can get there. <laughs> it's, to, it's to maintain it and, yeah. and keep going. And how do you find that motivation? So, you know, if people are asking you, hey, Mallory, like, I'm going to the gym and I've been going for a week now and I don't really want to go to like, yeah. how do how do you like keep going? Where do you where does that motivation come from? Do you have any like tips or steps that you go through to help? Yeah, I definitely think the first thing is get a buddy. Like if it's working out in person or even if it's an accountability buddy, like say you have a friend in Toronto and you both want to get to the gym, like hold each other accountable, text each other when you're going to the gym because then you know like oh if I don't text so-and-so today they're gonna know I didn't go and like I, I really should be going so I definitely think getting a buddy and then if you can train with a buddy it's even better because at the end of the day if you're doing something stupid then at least you're both doing it right and mm -hmm. it's that little bit of a comfort shield where you can just be a little bit more in your space and not pay attention to what other people are doing because you're talking with your friend you're both doing it together so that's definitely really really helpful um I, yeah, I think just having that support system. So actually, I guess maybe eight weeks ago now, I did a free six-week training program mm, that's right, yeah. that I just opened up. And <clears throat> I found that really interesting because a lot of people were kind of like me where they had competed in a sport like powerlifting and phased out of that. And then we're kind of losing that motivation to go to the gym. I often can justify doing my business stuff instead. But then when I go to the gym, it's actually really healthy for me, more mentally even than physically. Um, so finding people with those like-minded situations and kind of just relying on each other. And if you don't have that, I think the biggest thing is remembering that it is a choice. I actually did a post about this the other day mm -hmm. and that was one that really resonated with people. It was like at the end of the day, how privileged are we to complain about going to the gym? Right. Mm -hmm. So I find there's this immediate shift where you decide, you make this really positive choice to start going to the gym to get more healthy. And then very quickly, maybe after a week in, you're treating it like it's a punishment, like, oh, I have to go to the gym. It's like, no, you made this choice and like you're doing it for the better and it makes you feel good when you go. So just really keeping that in mind that at the end of the day, like if that's your biggest thing is you're a little intimidated by the gym, just go and just learn to enjoy it. Mm -hmm. Do you find any positive effects, uh, not just physically, but mentally uh, going to the gym? Um, I know you know, as people who listen know, I'm very involved with the mental health community. And that's something I, I stress. It's, I don't go to get oh, jacked totally, or yeah. ripped. I literally just go for the brain and everything else is just kind of nice that comes along with it. Was there a time when maybe uh, you were like struggling or just before you made this transition into now, are there days where you're like maybe self-doubt or, or feeling low or, or, you know, experiencing something bigger? that going to the gym like solves does it have that big of a, an effect of yeah definitely like I will purposely schedule my gym sessions in my day where I know I'm gonna need that brain break um or sometimes if you know I'm feeling really overwhelmed I'll actually save it for the evening because I know that if I go midday I'm not really gonna be in it and I know that going in the evening will just help me 
unwind. And I do think it's a really powerful tool to be able to kind of step out of what you're doing. Um, I like to try to stay off Instagram, off my emails, off my texts if I can in the gym and just actually be in that moment. And I think that's really powerful because we don't do that at all really it's a big thing anytime i i drive by a gym or i I look in and people are sitting on their phones in between set and so yeah you're not there mentally you're not and if you think about it when we're driving right we're listening to the radio or now we have podcasts we can plug in our phones Mm -hmm. we can do all these things so i think there's very few times where you're like i'm just gonna focus on me and like you said it's not even like i'm gonna focus on getting my body jacked it's just like i'm gonna focus on sweating out all the bad that's happening in my Mm. life or i'm gonna run on the treadmill and i'm gonna think back on everything that's bothering me right now and that's actually something where i feel like i'll get in i'll be guilty of that habit of not wanting to go to the gym i'm like what am i doing this is so much better for my mental health like it's Mm -hmm. not even because i want to fit in a smaller size of jean it's like because i'll go home and i'm going to feel great inside and people don't realize like it's an actual there's chemistry to it right absolutely and sometimes just dragging yourself to the gym like if i don't want to go i'll make myself go and say i'm just going to do the treadmill and then often i'll start on the treadmill and then i'll go lift my weights because it's just put me in that right mindset and then i do want to be there and i do want to clear my head yeah absolutely um it was a, a, a just a really fascinating thing that you just said that when when i'm struggling to go to the gym so it's important for a lot of people to note that even people who love the gym who mm-hmm. seemingly go to the gym struggle to find that motivation or just have that thought where they're like I don't feel like it today yeah and sometimes it can be as simple as like if you're having a good hair day and then you're supposed (laughs) to go to the gym like it's just annoying you know and sometimes it's just that simple you're like I really don't want to go sweat my face off because like I have makeup on or my hair is done or I have something later and I think that's why it's important to be flexible like today I had planned to go to the gym at one And I was like stalling, going and stalling, going. And I was like, okay, I'm just not going to go because I'm being so productive on right right now, just stalling. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'll just go after this podcast tonight if I still feel like it. And if I don't, it's fine. Like it's Monday. I still have time. And I think just making sure you're getting into the gym a certain amount of days of the week, whatever that is for you, um, you have to let yourself be flexible. Like sometimes, like we talked about, it's mental. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's not going to be good for you because I had so many other things going on in my mind that I knew I wouldn't be able to really get that benefit that I normally get mm-hmm. from it. I find that fascinating. Uh, you said um, what it is for you, the right amount mm-hmm. for you. So because you, I mean, as I'm, I don't have to tell you that the fitness world is just so, I mean, the science is improving every day, which is great, but yeah. it's not there. Like mm-hmm. everyone is kind of all over the place with which is right which is good and Mm -hmm. you don't know what to follow so i find it that that you're flexible whereas my my aspect from it is like i'm not really flexible like i need to go right after work because that's the time i'm going to go and i built that kind of into my work day quote unquote yeah but it's just important for everyone to realize that it's really it's you it's it's a fitness expert can point you in the right direction but at the end of the day it's it's what's right for you and it doesn't matter what what it could be because um there's people who are like no i'll run a marathon a day and then i'll go lift weights right no matter how i'm feeling yeah and they're like you can get over it and they're like and whatever like that works for people and sometimes that motivates people and then other times i mean and it i don't think there's a i don't know you might disagree but i don't think there's a right or wrong approach to it no i think at the end of the day it's important for our health right and I think where a lot of people fall into the program 
into the problem is January 1st comes and they're like, all right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go to the gym five days a week. And when you're not going to the gym to then add five days a week, that's ridiculously hard to achieve, right? Mm -hmm. And that's why people fall off so quickly, but they have the uh, this idea that that's fitness and you can't do anything less, right? And something, I forget who I was listening to that talked about it um, with goal setting, but they were saying, if you've never gone to the gym and then you set a goal of once a week, you're going to go 52 times more than you've ever gone. Like, that's huge. Yeah, yeah. But instead, we try to multiply that by five, like, each week, right? So I think it's really important, like, ease yourself into it. If it's going to the gym once and just getting on the treadmill and watching people lift weight until you feel comfortable to go pick up a dumbbell, that's fine because that's something you weren't doing before, right? Mm. Yeah, it's all about the mindset. Um, For you, like, how often do you try to get there um, on your own for like a, a good overall being? Yeah. So I usually aim for four workouts, maybe one day of just cardio. Um, and then I have an optional fifth workout. Okay. Um, but it's funny. I actually, so this group program I was talking about, um, so we did the six weeks free and now we actually have a membership base where it's 20 bucks a month. Um, and there's two different programs. And I actually started that to keep myself accountable oh, okay. because I was getting to that point where I wasn't training for competitions. So I would often be like, ah, oh, I'll go later. I'll go later. I'll go later. And then later comes and it's like, well, I'm in a really good groove with this work or I could also get this project done if I don't go. So I would keep procrastinating and I was ending up in the gym two to three times, which is fine. But when I was five to six before, it was a big change, right? So I was like, you know what? I feel like other people feel this way. So I'm going to create something and inadvertently it's going to make me go to the gym because Mm -hmm. sometimes you do need that push where I do enjoy it. And sometimes I just need to suck it up and go. Um, There's being flexible and then there's being lazy. Right. So that's been really, really helpful for me is knowing that no matter what happens, I have to do those four days because other people are counting on me to do it. Or we're sharing that experience together, which is where like having a buddy can be really great. Um, Within like the first week of that program, when we did the free one, so many people were saying I've gone to the gym more this week than I have all along um, just because they had that motivation. They had that little sense of accountability. Yeah. Um, so on this program, so do you have to be in a gym to do it or um, can like is there more calisthenic body weight stuff? Yeah. Or? So right now the way we have it, we have one that's called power building. So it's a little bit of powerlifting, but mostly like bodybuilding kind of movements. And then we have a strength one. So for the people that were really enjoying the powerlifting components and, you know, like the deadlift, the squat and the bench, um, we created a second program they can run that's more focused on those strength ones and more about strength and the power building is a little bit of strength with leaning out. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are creating an at-home one. Um, and that one's probably going to be something where it's just available. Someone can buy it and it's got a whole bunch of different workouts so that you can do and learn those movements and mm-hmm. combine them. Um, because that's something we found too, is a lot of people, um, either can't get to the gym all the time or can't do a gym membership at this time, yeah. or they have toddlers and their toddlers are napping and they have this free time, but they can't leave to the gym. Uh, so that's something we've been working on. Actually, we've tested like two weeks of the program. So we're going to be rolling that one out for sure. Who are you working on uh, with? Yeah, so I'm working on it with um, actually my old powerlifting coach. His okay. name is Justin Reeson. He's from Ottawa, but he's coached um, internationally with a lot of the Team Canada athletes as well. So he's really great in balancing that mindset component mm-hmm. and works with a lot of female athletes. Um, so we partnered up because I knew his training style and what, what's what been really fun is taking his training style and then my input of how I like to train because a lot of the people 
were my followers, right? So mm-hmm. they see the workouts that I was posting when I was just doing my own thing. So we're kind of taking the best of both worlds and putting it together. And it's been really, really fun so far. I mean, one of my uh, biggest critiques of the fitness industry is that it's a little inaccessible in terms mm-hmm. of it's expensive. Like, yeah. Even, you know, I have a full time job and I still can't exactly afford it. So, you know, people make do and that's great. But just to point that out, and this isn't even like a a commercial promotion (laughs) thing, but like that's, you know, professional Olympic Canadian level training for $20. 20 bucks a month. Yeah, $5 a week. (laughs) Yeah, like that's that's actually like, and have you saw like, how did the free one go? Did you see a lot of engagement? People really got into it and it was Yeah, it was really, really cool. Like, um, you never know. Sometimes those things can kind of flatline after Mm -hmm. a week, but it was so fun. Like. Uh, we have a Facebook group for a little private community and it started out with myself posting obviously to create engagement but very quickly like people were posting selfies they were posting deadlift videos they were like oh my gosh I PR'd this lift or people were like I'm squeezing in an extra day because I'm going on vacation next week and they were just so excited to have similar people to share it with so that's been really fun and it's really cool to see like um, there's been a few people that actually met someone at the gym because they <laughs> saw, saw the same thing. yeah they saw them doing the same <laughs> workout and they were like are you doing this program oh, <laughs> they were fun. like yeah are you so people even made friends in their gym which is cool that's what you, yeah that's what you want like fitness yeah. you know when when you really get into it, it it's it does become like a team aspect and like you said mm-hmm. a community where not only you're holding each other accountable but like yeah there's there's friendships there's bonds yeah you can like, share your wins yeah and yeah complain about your losses um one of the the fascinating things about this and i keep using that term but not only are you doing this all, but you're also like a woman doing this. Right. Do you find resistance to that at all? Or has it been mostly pretty welcoming so far? Yeah, no, it's it's been really great. Obviously, women respond really well to mm-hmm. it. Um, I always say I've been fortunate, but I also think it's kind of the vibe you put out is what you get. And I actually do not deal with like... I've had very few haters online well, or trail, okay. troll comments or even inappropriate inbox messages. I think it's very much like I am clear with who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have some really cool dudes doing the program, which I thought was really cool. Like yeah. we had one guy, he's like 40 in Australia and he was posting all the selfies. Like he was having a great time with it. So it's global. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. It's awesome. been really fun. Like we actually ran into a few things where we had to start releasing the program earlier because um, there were some people in Singapore and Vietnam. <laughs> the waking and they, up in yeah, the Yeah, they were like, it's, it's already Sunday for me. So I'm like, okay, I'll watch it Saturdays. Um, but yeah, it's been really fun. There's guys in it too. Um, all of my boyfriend's friends did the free program and they were surprised by how much it kicked their butt. Yeah. So <laughs> no, it's been really good. I think um, when you put out, honestly, just who you truly are, people respect it. And I think that goes beyond genders. Yeah. I, one of the jokes I make, but it, it's kind of true, is I want to make it to be so famous that people hate me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, you know, you've actually made some sort of a difference when people yeah. start, like, throwing shade or something at you. Yeah, we definitely had it with um, our business a few times, and then uh, our photographer would say, like, oh, I can't wait till my first hater. And I'm always like, no, just wait. It's okay. <laughs> like, that's what you think until yeah, it happens. and then it's like, coming. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, one of the interesting... So, you know... Being a a woman in the fitness industry, and especially lifting weights, and I I definitely see this perception changing, but I think Mm -hmm. for a lot of people, it's uh, the old quote, you know, lifting weights makes you manly. Yeah. Um, Are you, you know, from what I've seen that, like, there's a lot of women getting into 
powerlifting or just lifting in yeah. general and and hitting weights now um and being okay with being stronger uh, mm-hmm. and you know being a little like broader shoulders and stuff big back but yeah. you know ha- is this more of a recent phenomenon uh, has you have you seen it grow as you've been involved um has is it finally shifting away that uh, I can never remember his name the the power lifter and the early 2000s who won a whole bunch of anyways not important I'll remember <laughs> it eventually but you know that that used to be powerlifting. it's yeah. these big bulky guys yeah and that's actually kind of how we started our apparel brand was we felt like there was this new generation of powerlifters, and people had this perception of powerlifters as bald bearded tattoos like big scary guys and then there was all of us coming in and we really weren't like that we were like minimalists we were you know passionate about giving back um, we were a very different aesthetic and that was really what um, inspired it because we didn't feel represented in the community. Um, and I definitely think a lot of it just comes from an education standpoint too, right? Like even at that point, it was like people were just learning what powerlifting was and better understanding it. And they were like, oh, I actually do want to do this and it's not so scary. And so there's that. And I think the same thing with this whole like toned versus bulky mm-hmm. concept. I think it all comes down to like with fitness and health we're slowly, slowly learning things almost at an embarrassing rate, right? And I, I, when it comes to that issue, I don't get overly upset about it, only in that I know it's an education issue. I don't think that people understand that they'll see a woman that looks one way and they don't know that she lifted weights to get that way. They think she must have done cardio, mm. right? And I think you can't really blame people for what they don't know. Um, but I definitely think we're just starting to educate people more. We're seeing more women who are opening up, right, on social media platforms saying, this is how I train and this is what I look like. And I think people are also just, you know, a long time ago, men did all the athletic things and women didn't. And I yeah. think that's where that whole misconception came from, that right. it makes women look manly because muscles were manly at one point. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's wrong to admit that history was that way. And I think that's all that it is, is we're shifting away from that. And we, we're seeing bodies where muscles are beautiful on women, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's super empowering for women. You get amazing curves going to the gym and people don't necessarily know that. And I think it's just bringing light to that, which a lot of women have been really great in doing these days. And I know for myself, even I get messages often where people like to follow me because I'm close to their body which I've okay. always thought was like an odd comment. Um, Cause like you talk about, there's people who their hashtag goals, right? Yeah. But you also have to understand that like you could train until you have like 2% body fat and you may not look like that person because we do at the end of the day, we have different things going on under there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's it too. Like we're seeing a lot more diverse women before it was like just one female bodybuilder and we only saw that body. And now we're seeing all the different ways that women can be fit and they can be curvy in different ways and fit in different ways. And it's all beautiful. Mm-hmm. Is there any worry with powerlifting? Because I was always under the perception that it was kind of bad for you in the long term. Um, yeah, I think it all depends on your training style. So okay. a lot of people, you know, they just go too hard and they get like too focused on like increasing their total. Like so the weights that they're lifting each year. Excuse me. I know people who have been powerlifting um like over 25 years now and they're in great shape oh, okay um and they're healthy they don't have any problems um so i think it it really has to do with like anything right mm-hmm. if you're going to go into it and be really intense and not take care of your body you definitely need to put in extra time to warm up 
to go to your physio sessions, to get chiropractic work done, all those things. You just have to make sure you're countering it. That's a big thing. What do you do for um, recovery? Because this has been like a huge thing for mm-hmm. me. It's like now I'm, I can go to the gym. I can figure it all out. I'm, I'm getting stronger and bigger. But like the level of like soreness or pain or whatever from it is just, yeah. it's hard to manage and you know you only get so much benefits too especially so what are the type of things that you do to or have hurt because I know you're very involved with mm-hmm. you know people who train professionally that they do for certain types of recovery that seem to really work well I think the biggest thing is actually time management so when you start going to the gym five days a week you're not accounting for necessarily warming up before your workouts you're not accounting for maybe having a foam roller at home and rolling out before bed maybe having a bath once a week. Mm -hmm. So that's what I found was where for myself, I kind of moved away from powerlifting was because I was getting so busy that I was just doing my workouts and I wasn't doing the same like 20 minute warm up for squats. I was just kind of like swinging my leg and being like, yeah, I'm good and squatting. And that's what people have to take in is if you're working out a certain amount of days a week, like make sure you're accounting for that time to warm up, maybe start with shorter workouts so that you do have time to properly warm up and stretch a little after. Um, so I think that is the biggest component. That's where people get the most injuries is because they're not actually taking care in that process. Mm. Um, definitely outside of that, like chiropractors are great. They actually do a lot more than you think. I definitely learned that through sport. I think a lot of people think they're just going to like crack your back Mm -hmm. into place. Um, but there's a lot of different things you can do with that. And there's a lot of like self tools now where you can get them on Amazon and, you know, there's different type of like lacrosse balls, stuff like that. And I think YouTube's a great resource. Like you can find so much stuff from so many credible people. Um, but I definitely think it's actually just like paying attention to that process. Warm up before your sets. Don't just like start running on the treadmill, right? Like walk yeah. for five whole minutes before you start running, that kind of stuff. Uh, you freaked me out with 20, a 20 minute warm up to do squats. Yeah. So that's kind of <laughs> like where, oh. and that's what I'm saying, right? So with powerlifting, like that's, what a lot of people do and that's the healthiest ones because they're putting in that time and that's where people start to fall apart is either they're young and think they don't need it um so they're just going right into it um yeah yeah that, those were some long workouts <laughs> oh my goodness um do you do like so what do you do at home like so you foam roller um is there anything in particular i know like some people do try um, there's like cupping now. I know I saw that was big with the Olympics a couple of years ago. Um, I've heard sauna therapy or uh, chi- not Cairo cryo cryotherapy. Oh, cryo, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you tried any of that? Anything that I works over done the other? Much of those. So my biggest, if I was go- going like if I have a problem that's going on and I can't fix it myself, um, I actually go to a chiropractor and we usually do like a neurofunctional acupuncture. So it's acupuncture and then they attach um, something to it that makes them vibrate so to speak so think of like if your muscle was twitching it's making your muscle twitch so it's a really weird feeling because you sit there for 15 minutes and like normally you would want to like get it out right um but you just sit there and it's it's basically showing your body to remember how to use that muscle um and that's been the most effective for me really okay um yeah and i i love my chiropractor too her name's joanna taylor and she owns she's actually another female business owner she owns a business called kinetic edge she's really awesome because she'll do like three different styles of treatment in one appointment and then it actually helps it go away for me that's what i found because Sometimes with massage, there's so many different types of massage, right? You just have to make sure you're going to sport-focused people. That's the biggest thing it comes down to because they understand that you might need to 
be back in the gym tomorrow for mm-hmm. training and they can work around that um, and they can show you things that you can be doing at home that'll help along the way but definitely um chiropractor for my treatments is what i do interesting yeah there's a guy i just started following on instagram his name's Vinny rehab i think oh yeah Vinny, Vinny's yeah. my friend oh really <laughs> yeah oh oh he's i, I <laughs> he's see really the, cool yeah, i yeah, see yeah. the things he do i'm like but like i love it because like yeah not only is he showing like what he does but he does like show stretches and stuff and, yeah like, these little short videos so i'm like sitting there i'm like raising my arms i'm like oh totally yeah. and he's really really great like he always says he's like i'm not reinventing the wheel i'm just putting information into actual consumable pieces of content um which is really big yeah like there's so much stuff if you just search online or on instagram now where there's people like him um that are just giving away that free information right and it's just before now it's been like in textbooks or like by some old guy talking in a lecture for three hours so they're just bringing that information and making it more consumable Mm. Um, so shifting away a little bit from the fitness, cause I want to transition to a little bit of the business side, but perfect segue. So we <laughs> talked before because now as I'm starting to learn and interview people, especially business owners or, mm. or people who, who also give content is it's that balance of, you know, what am I going to give away for free for whether it's marketing, branding or, or whatever, or, you know, what am I going to keep to myself? So people don't just do it at home. They'll come to me and pay me right. to use it. Like, I mean, you're in the community, like, how do you f- strike that balance? Like, how how are people trying to find a way to grow their business, but also... Yeah, I think it's being confident in what you offer, and it comes down to actually having a strong offering, which is also interesting in this Instagram world, because a lot of people are selling things that they might not um, be qualified to sell yeah. when it comes down to it, right? So, for me, like... I'll pretty much put anything online because I know that if I work with a brand, um, they're getting a full experience. I'm giving them advice that's specific to that brand because a lot of this stuff can be applied to anyone. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, you need to sit down with your own strategy. So I can tell you to do something, but you still have to look at how that applies to your business. And I think same with the chiropractors. Um, Vinny's a great example because he was one of the ones that was leading that concept of putting all this content out there, right? And saying like, this is how to fix it yourself. Um, but you can also only do so much to yourself, right? So he's yeah. helping you for the student on a budget who can't go to a chiropractor. They can do these things and it's going to help. But for people with real problems, like, I don't know if you've seen some of his videos, like he's helped people walk who like can't oh, really wow. walk. Yeah. Like there's been okay. some crazy transformations and it's because he knows what he's doing. Right. Um, and I think that's what it comes down to is if you're confident in what you can offer and that you can go above and beyond um, that free content to me, nothing's really off the table. Interesting. Um, so you started this business when you were 21, 22, I believe. Yeah, sure. <laughs> sounds right. Yeah. yeah. Um, wh- what <laughs> was that like? So, you know, as a young person, like, not owning my business, but in business myself, commanding respect, um, showing people you're confident, getting an audience with them, just, you know, being a young person is, is a challenge on itself. I had myself to, you know, I had a paycheck to rely on because whether I right. got an audience, I was still yeah. working still. <laughs> you have to get that. Yeah. What's that like? What was that like for you when you started? What's that like now? Yeah. Um, I'm lucky in a way. I always kind of credit my parents for that because they were a really good balance of like giving me a hard time, but also letting me know I can do anything that I want to do. Um, and I always say like early on in my career, I had blinders on 
which sounds like a bad idea, but it was actually really great for me. Like the whole concept of a glass ceiling or this concept of being treated differently for being a woman in the workplace. I definitely did end up experiencing stuff like that, but I was just so set in my way that it was not going to be a problem for Mm me. Um, that I just, I, I guess I kind of saw those things like in passing in hindsight, I can recognize them, but I was just so confident in who I was and what I could offer to any company, whether that was when I was working for someone or building something on my own. Um, And so I do think I was really lucky to have that confidence because I know a lot of people don't come by that naturally. And I think that's what's helped me a lot is. It, like you could all tell me that I can't do it. I'm like, that's fine. Cause you just don't know. <laughs> like yeah. I'm going to go do it. Yeah. Um, and I've never really had a problem. Like I, before this, I was worked in very corporate spaces. So it was a lot of older men and I never really backed down. And you know, there was like jokes kind of about mm-hmm. it of like how it's funny. I was like this little girl, but not afraid to speak up. And to me it was like, well, my opinion is the same worth as yours. And so I think being an entrepreneur you just kind of have to build that confidence and find where you're most confident, whether that's in your marketing or like maybe you have a specific skill set. Like if you're a graphic designer, you might not be confident in your business negotiations, but be so confident in your skill set in your graphic design that that will be what sells it. Yeah. Um, so it's really just finding that way to be confident, I think. Okay. Um, do you have people that inspired you that, helped guide you that really like set you on that right path because obviously being an entrepreneur it's a I mean you pretty much learn everything from scratch right like everything is completely unique to your situation like how did you find that guidance with is is it other entrepreneurs like are very helpful with each other because at the end of the day sometimes (laughs) it would seem like you're a competing business depending on what your product no for the most part like even businesses that are also lifestyle t-shirt companies in the strength niche have helped us so like entrepreneurs are i find nine out of ten are really great people and have amazingly good intentions and they believe that there's room for everyone to have a piece of the pie Um, and again i think that comes from being so confident that your product is going to be fine even if you give this Mm -hmm. person a piece of your advice Um, we had trouble once even shipping product to the u.s and we had met this guy once for dinner that owns another clothing company and he offered to print for us so that we could get our basically oh, wow. like print our product in the states for us and so people are really willing to help um i think entrepreneurship can also be really lonely so people like going for coffee and talking <laughs> <laughs> so we have lots of friends that are also entrepreneurs um and it definitely helps and i think um lewis house talks about this a bit having kind of building yourself a team of mentors in different areas. So you should always have someone who can advise you from a financial perspective, always have someone who's in your same industry Mm -hmm. Um, and finding these different mentors because it's really hard to find one that fits all those boxes. Um, But you'd be surprised where you come across them. So one of our best mentors um, was Josh's professor in university at Carleton. And we still like, we went to dinner with him and his family. We'll go for coffee with him. We were, going through one business struggle last summer and he was in the UK with his kids at a zoo and we called him and he like walked us through it. Oh, wow. So it's really, it's really cool when you can find those people. Um, but it's also important just to like absorb little bits from everyone. Cause that's what I found most useful. Cause everyone's always hunting for that mentor, right? We did a mm-hmm. lot of startup programs where you get promised a mentor and because 
we're in Ottawa with a product and most people are tech. It was always hard to find a cementer. We would get so disappointed, but instead we just started reaching out to people and getting like a little bit of info from this guy. Like this guy's really good at Facebook ads. So we're going to learn everything we need to know from Facebook ads from him. This guy's built six businesses, so he knows how to build and sell. So just kind of taking a piece from everyone. Okay. Cause that was going to be my next question. Like, how do you find a mentor? Because it doesn't just apply to entrepreneurs. Like, everybody, I think, could ha- like have totally. a mentor in different parts of your life. Like, is it as simple as just like slide uh, sliding into the DMs, or like, is it? You mentioned startups. Like, is it more like you're looking at it more from a professional angle at networking, or or that, or is it like how how has that experience been for you? Yeah, I think the best mentorships are relationships that develop naturally. Um, so it's hard cause social media can be one sided in a way. So if I have a follower who really relates to me, they can reach out to me as a mentor, but I don't know that I'll click with them. Mm. Um, mm. but if you are on social media, like someone like myself, who's putting so much of myself out there, if you feel like we would totally jive and like, I would be a great mentor, then definitely like reach out to someone like me. It's harder with something like LinkedIn where it might be just, you know, a photo in their bio and you're like, Oh, this sounds like someone mm-hmm. who has a similar career to what I want. And then you reach out and you meet up and you're both like totally different people, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So I think it's just kind of finding those people that click. And I think more often than not, at least in my experience, it ends up being peers more than mentors. Hmm. And I think you can really learn from each other. Like we were in Texas last month and I met this one girl through a mutual friend and we've like FaceTimed four times since and just kind of talked out some business ideas. And yeah, it doesn't always have to be someone that far ahead of you. Sometimes it can be someone where you're ahead in some areas and they're ahead in others and you're just bouncing information. Okay. Is there uh, like, if it's with your peers, like, do you guys also search for like opportunities to like collaborations? Like how yeah. can, you know, we work together possibly, even if you're like maybe competing, like totally. just trying to get, I mean, from my sense of business negotiation, it's, it's very easy it's like okay i have a product i'm trying to sell it to you there's not a whole lot of back and forth like you can help me here but i can help you here it's it's very like kind of one side one side in each way so how does it work like someone just freewheeling just trying to create opportunities in business and and figure it out like how do those kind of conversations go i think uh, it's it's totally personality based right because some people are they like hoard their business ideas and they don't want to help someone out if it's a similar product um we're very collaborative like i will go out of my way and kind of inconvenience myself or make more work if it means like an opportunity for someone else sometimes um Mm. we hosted an after party actually lvd did in ottawa recently because powerlifting nationals was here and i purposely um partnered with other brands to be on all the posters and all, all that stuff and um every single one of those besides Bose beer um, was smaller than us. So that's not really that beneficial to us. But mm-hmm. I knew that for them to be on this formal event, um, to be able to say like, hey, we were part of this was really big for them. And for me, it wasn't a loss to put them on a poster and to promote them, right? Yeah. So I think it really depends. And I think when you start acting that way, other people do it right back. So we do a lot of like joint giveaways. We've done collaborations with other brands. And I think it also tells your audience like, who you are so when we've collaborated with brands that could have been our like head-to-head competitors our audience actually loves it and they're like we think it's so cool on both of your ends that you guys were willing to do that and more than willing like you sat down you designed a product together you market it um so i think it just kind of speaks to who you actually are fundamentally mm-hmm. 
This might seem like a silly question, but I just want to ask. <laughs> Do you consider yourself a quote-unquote influencer? Uh, uh, <laughs> no. Well, I have a problem with that word because uh, yeah. like, my mom is an influencer because she okay. has influence over me. You know what uh, I mean? Okay. That's, that's where Playing the real... word comes from. Yeah. Like a teacher is an influencer. So... Do I feel that I have influence? Yes, because I can speak to products or I can do X and I know that people will buy those products if I genuinely give a real review because I've been transparent. Mm -hmm. um, I hate the word. I, yeah. I saw a quote that was like, anyone who calls them an influencer, like it's a red flag that they're not an influencer. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think on a fundamental level, it's like, do I have influence? I believe so um, because I'm so transparent mm -hmm. and open. Um but yeah, I don't, I hate that word. I like content creator much better. Yeah. Creating content. But even for, uh, I'm so-so on that one because I think for some people it works. Like if you do a YouTube series and it's like beauty hacks, you are creating content. Mm -hmm. Whereas like I don't, I'm mostly just sharing things people have told me. Yeah. You know? And like I'm sharing like my gym PR. So I don't feel that I'm creating content necessarily. In a way, but. Yeah. Like I believe content creator is a good term, but that I'm not one. Well, you're. that makes sense. <laughs> I mean, you're offer you're offering content that like you've stood up and like it's ownership of you in a way because yeah. it's coming from you. That's really mad. I guess you, now that you put it, that you know way, what I mean. Kind of like yeah, like if I was making a YouTube series, I would be a content creator. Well, I mean, you're successful on YouTube. Have you thought of expanding into other areas, uh, or like you pretty much like your your plate is pretty full with the the amount of things that you've taken on no i'm probably gonna be stepping on my youtube actually like it's one of those ones where like we have decent subscribers that grow when we're not posting and i have like some videos um that i've done like i did a legging review and i did a shorts review where i got like the leggings in hindsight was exhausting because i got like 16 pairs oh, and the wow. way that i did the video i had to put them all on three times each <laughs> And I'm a very, like, hot and sweaty person. But, yeah, so I did those videos. And, like, those ones combined have, like, over 20K views. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I think part of that, like I said, it's the honesty. Like, I literally talked about muffle, muffin top and, like, camel toe. And I was just, like, straight up, these are the shorts that give it. These are the ones that don't. It's good to know. And, and that's not coming and, in a commercial. Right? And that's the thing that people actually want to know. And that comes back down to that body aspect is, like, I know even companies – that sometimes will go up to like 2XL, they release a sizing video and they're like, oh, she's wearing extra small and she's wearing small. And I'm like, okay, that's not really helpful for the average person, right? Mm -hmm. When they're both probably like size zero and size two. So I definitely feel like there's a lack of that quote unquote more regular person um, that's not the super fit athlete. And I know that's where I've been very helpful with people so far. Um, I actually recently partnered with Lululemon um, so I've been working with them and same thing. It's been an interesting experience to be able to tell people like what sizes I'm wearing, um, how certain things fit, even giving that product feedback back to Lululemon. Like I love these shorts, but they're not made for my body. Mm -hmm. And if you guys could make a pair that fit my body, like I know people would buy them. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So there's definitely opportunities there, but yeah, one step at a time. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've, I find it, this is something that's been coming over me as someone who like, works in marketing and is looking to market my product. Um, the, the kind of the transformation of real people as a marketing vessel. So like mm -hmm. you said, you partnered with Lululemon, yeah. whereas opposed you would have, Lululemon would have went and made a traditional advertisement. Right. Um, 
what has that experience been like for you? Like, do, are you just kind of sitting there one day and all of a sudden you get a DM? Like, does it go professional, like email? Like, I'm just, or even maybe yourself as a, a business owner, when you're looking to find someone to to market your product in a, yeah. in a very personal way, like, how does that process go about? Like, how do you narrow it down? Um, so it definitely varies, like, so I'll give you another example. Um, I also work with Good Life Fitness. Okay. So I'm sponsored by Good Life. And in that situation, you know, I, I always prefer the professional route because I want to show that I'm pitching something professionally and I'm not just like, hey, can you give me a free gym membership? Yeah, I'll post yeah. a photo. Um, so I looked for the right contact online and I wasn't really having luck finding it. And the great thing about social teams is they're fast, right? Yeah. So those people are, are, are on top of the dig- digital age. So I DM them. But instead of pitching in the DMs, I essentially said like, hey, I think we have some opportunities to partner. Um, I was wondering like who would be the best person to reach out to if you'd be able to give me their email, that would be great. And that always goes over really well because also DMs are very invasive. Like as a business owner in fitness, you get a lot of requests Mm -hmm. for sponsored athletes. And to me, it's like, I don't want to deal with that on my DMs. My DMs is to say like, oh, that looks great on you to people. Um, So always going that professional route and like showing like, when people show what they can value, you would be surprised how many people pitch to you and it's just about why it would benefit them. Like, I'm a broke college student. Can you sponsor me? Yeah. And I'm like, buddy, you got to learn to like at least pretend there's something in it for us, right? So I think if people are trying to pitch, that's the biggest thing is treat it professionally because mm-hmm. it is a professional thing. Like people who are being paid to post, treat it professionally. Um, and actually know your worth and pitch your worth. And pitch what you're gonna do. Don't just say like, "Can I have free stuff?" Yeah. How do you how do you find your worth though when you're just a person, right? Like you don't have a rate. You don't have a rate card. You don't have. A... You wing it the first time. Really? Eh? Yeah. So. <laughs> oh man, she went for it. <laughs> my very first paid post was with uh, Uber Eats Canada, and it's funny. Like, I still don't do enough of it. Like, I remember every moment that someone has reached out to me that was like a cool one right yeah. so like I had actually hurt my back at the gym to the point well actually it wasn't at the gym it was like this progressing problem but got to the point where I couldn't really move and Josh and I were sitting in an ER and I was in so much pain that I was laying on the dirty floor on my jacket mm. and I was crying because I had gotten trouble for laying on the floor <laughs> and they did not understand that like it hurt to sit so I'm laying there crying and then it's like Uber Eats has emailed you and I'm like oh um yeah, so it was, like, a really weird feeling. Um, they reached out to me via email. Most of the ones I've gotten has been through email. Um, most companies now, because, like, this whole influencer marketing mm-hmm. has become a thing, most actually work with a marketing agency. So I've never directly spoken right. to Uber Eats. Right. Um, it's always been a marketing agency. Same with any of the ones that I've done for paid posts, for the most part. Um, I don't work with directly. Um, I do work with a skincare company. I work with them directly because um, they have a pretty strong marketing team. They don't reach out to a third mm-hmm. party. And a lot of them are connections too. So that one, they were looking to expand in Canada, like I think over a year ago, maybe two years ago now. And I had a mutual friend with someone that worked there and she was one of their influencers in the States. And she was like, I know a great person in Canada. So sometimes it just oh, happens really naturally. Lululemon was a weird one. Like the store at Bayshore had actually reached out to me and we were starting to partner on like a store level. 
And then literally on my trip to Texas recently, when I was flying back, like Lululemon just DM'd me. Like they literally mm-hmm. slid into my DMs. <laughs> so it, it's different, right? Yeah, like, yeah. but they're also Lululemon and they can do that. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't say go DM Lululemon, but if they want to DM me, like that's yeah, cool, sure, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's definitely like case by case, but I like to treat it as professionally as possible. Yeah, absolutely. It was just... When you're, yeah, not starting, just like you throw out an amount, like I'll do it oh, for yeah. five thousand. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I wish how much, but yeah, uh, literally the first time. So with the Uber Eats one, I did reach out to someone um, who I knew that did more paid content, and I was like, "What would you think I was worth for a po- post?" And for some reason, we just had the same number in our head, and I just put it out there. And that's the hard thing too with the influencer thing. I think there's a really wide variety in numbers. I've heard yeah. some crazy numbers with like the huge ones. Yeah, I've heard yeah, like Kylie Jenner yeah. like in the millions Ridiculous. or upward of 100,000. Yeah. Basically or my rates too. No. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, so it is kind of tough cuz you are just yeah. throwing it out there and you can kind of try to value it like especially it's different if you're doing photo shoots for your content versus like if it's a cell phone photo um but you just kind of throw it out there and you just kind of gauge how they react like that one they were like cool right away and my first reaction was like i probably should have went higher you know but you have no idea maybe if i went 50 bucks higher they would have said no and i've just kind of slowly inched my prices a little bit higher since then um but i also think you gauge it based off the client like for me i was like okay uber eats is pretty cool like mm-hmm. i'm gonna do whatever if yeah, they asked absolutely. me to do it for free i'd probably do it for free Just for the credibility exactly like that's something that can be on my website forever mm-hmm. um so definitely like gauging it and also making sure i think people like to think like oh i'm gonna get as much out of this as possible but i also want to be confident in that they will get return on it because then people like that come back to you if you charged a reasonable rate and then exceeded their expectations with the performance. And that's usually how I like to do yeah, it. Yeah. Business 101, everybody. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on branded content as somebody who, you know, you, you pride yourself on, on coming through as like a, a authentic representation of yourself mm-hmm. when you have bra- branded content, I think, you know, some people, I, I, I've seen it on some, um, you know, sell out or something like that. Right. Or, like, how do you... Like, sponsored content? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. When someone's paying you to post something, how do you strike a balance? Because, you know, if you're super popular, like, I could assume, like, almost all of your content could be some sort of yeah. advertisement. Yeah, I think it depends. Because I've definitely seen bloggers where they're like that. Um, but it's different because if someone's say a beauty or fashion blogger, if people, all they want from them is product recommendations, then like, sure, get paid for every post, like, you know, get that money. But for me, I really try to balance not doing it very often. And I think that's a value add for the partners I do work with because it comes off as way more authentic. Um, so it's just not having it too often and finding a way that the content can still be mine. So like I've worked with Panago Pizza, for example, and I've always like the posts have been like about nutrition and I get to write my lengthy post about nutrition and then plug their pizza and they're cool with that. So Mm -hmm. it's like getting that balance where it's still like organic and your content is really important. And then I think also just being transparent, like obviously legally you do have to Mm -hmm. do things like show that it's an ad. Um, But recently I did some stories and I talked about specific, like, so some partners I get a commission if people buy through my link yeah. or my code and I just did a couple stories and I was like hey so this is what I get with Lulu this is what I get with Tula I don't get anything with this person but you can use that code 
Um, and I got so many responses to that where people were just like, I really appreciate your transparency. And I think for a while we went through this in-between phase. So I actually have a journalism degree. Yes, so we went through this right. phase where there was some drama with journalism because we started to have this sponsored articles, you know. And I think at the beginning it was sketchy, especially early days, Instagram with the Kardashians. Like, yeah. It wasn't obvious that Fire it was festival. ads. Yeah, yeah. Like now people know that that's a thing, which helps a lot. But I think also being transparent, like with the Lululemon, when I talked about my commission, like people were like, I'm going to save your link and use it every time I shop because like I like what you do and you might as well make money if I'm going to shop there. Anyway. Yeah. So um. sometimes being transparent about it is actually better in the end for me. Like if I didn't say it, they'll probably just go to their computer and open up Lulu. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think just being transparent about it and keeping that content real. How did you cultivate this audience? Like, when did you really start to see a transition in your personal page that was like all of a sudden like, this is really something. People are responding. I'm having mean meaningful connections now. Like, mm -hmm. my followers are going through the roof. Like, how did that start? Because I can assume no one just gets on. I'm, I'm sure now, but back. Yeah. Back in our day when we started Instagram, <laughs> um, it wasn't like I'm going to be this famous Instagram person, right? Like, Yeah. Um, no, it was really cool. Like I always I jokingly use the term accidental influencer because that's kind of how it is for me. Like, yeah. like when I got asked to do a paid post, I was like, oh, yes, my rates. Like, <laughs> you know, um, but honestly, like what's really cool with small businesses is everybody wanted to know who was behind LVD. And fitness has a lot of couples, right? So we didn't want it to be like, oh, this is all photos of me and my boyfriend. So like all of our photos weren't us. We had like an about us section on the website that showed it was us. And when we went to events, it was always us. But we never really put it out there that much. But people were just so hungry for that. Like they wanted to know the brand's story. They wanted to know what kind of people were creating this really cool thing. Um, and that's kind of how it started. And then especially it was definitely timing too, I think. Um, it was at a time where a lot more women were getting into powerlifting. So there was that element of like, oh, this girl's doing it again. She's a bit of a different body type than usual. Um, and I think just I've always been open from the beginning, even with the powerlifting. I would talk about if lifting days were really hard and just being that authentic self. Um, and then the fact that we were at so many events and people were meeting us and that I was the same person, that's always been a really big mm. thing. Cause I know I have met people who are not the same and I know a lot of people have talked about that, like, cause they're surprised when they meet me that I'm the same thing yeah. just without a camera in front of my face. Um, but I think honestly, that's been the biggest thing and yeah, timing more than anything and just being open and transparent. Do you think that's an important thing for brands to do in this new age, this, uh, digital age where I find a lot of millennials and especially mm -hmm. uh, generation Z are they're not the, the status quo isn't good enough for them in many yeah. aspects but in, in terms of what they want from a company I mean even when I'm interviewing people for jobs that's actually a question I ask now is um, like what do you look for in a brand that like to make a decision on whether mm. it's something you listen to or something you purchase, whatever it is. Do you think, do you see that now as you're giving consultations and you're advising businesses, whether it's digitally or in person, like there needs to be some sort of honesty and openness, whereas opposed like, you know, like what goes on at a bank? I don't know. I put my money in there and right. it goes away, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, I think it's it's times have changed and people either need to get with it or get left behind. I think social media has given us a lot of powers. The internet alone, right? Mm -hmm. People can do research on companies and find like these crazy 
paper trails online, right? Um, but I think like a brand story sells more than it used to. And I think before we got fed very corporate, put together brand stories, like Coca-Cola would write a brand story mm -hmm. and pitch it to you kind of. But now it's like, oh, here's two real people from Ottawa, Canada, and this is what they're doing. And they're also dating at the same time. And isn't that an interesting dynamic? And people want to see that side. And I think it's, you know, people talk about how we're like disconnected because we're always on our phones. But I also think on another level, we just want deeper connection, um, which could be a result or the cause of yeah. it. Um, but I think, yeah, people don't want to just wear a T-shirt. They want to know, like, where that T-shirt was made. They want to know the inspiration behind the design. Like, even when we release collections, we'll do blog posts on, like, where that idea came from, where the whole theme of the collection came from. And it lets people be in on it with you, right? Like, someone like Billabong, I don't know why they're releasing the stuff that they're releasing. Whereas, like, we will name our collections. Last summer, we had Evolve when we were really changing our style. And people love that. And then... In the fall, we had momentum because after you evolve, you pick up momentum mm. and just being open about like what those experiences were for us designing the collection has created these relationships that you can't really do otherwise. Like people the other day were posting um, with our loyalty program. You can see your order history. There was like a little war on like stories where people were like, I've been buying LVD since this date, 2015. And like I or people will post the old shirts. Right. And mm -hmm. they they love that shirt because they know the story behind the shirt and they know that they've been with the story since that point, whereas other people are just coming in on the story now. And I think it's like a really, really great tool. And if people aren't using it, they definitely should be. Mm -hmm. um, like, I know you said like you had a vision and you were going to get there at one point, but at some level, are you surprised it got to like this point? Do you still look back and go like, people are posting my stuff on their stories fighting about who got it yeah. first. Like, is it still sort of surreal? It's totally surreal. Like, anytime you see someone wearing it that you don't know, it's like, that's so weird. Like, you get kind of giddy. Yeah. Like, we'll go to the gym and someone's wearing it. And it's this fun element of, like, you don't know. Not everyone follows the story or, like, goes deep and looks at us because, like I said, we're not all over the page. Mm -hmm. Like, sometimes I'm like, does that person know who I am? Like, do they know yeah, that hat yeah. is from my house? Or, like, <laughs> you know, so it's it's really cool. Um, definitely never goes away. Like, even when we go to certain events, like, if people, like, run up to me, I'm, like, looking behind me, like, looking for who they're running to. And they're like, no, 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 it's you. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm excited to see you. <laughs> um, so that that's definitely been really cool. And our friend actually sent us a text. He does vintage stuff when he was at Value Village. And there was, like, an old LVD shirt. Oh, and he was wow. like, wow, you guys have officially made it. <laughs> the full life cycle. Yeah, of exactly. And it was, like, a funny, like, rewarding moment. Because it also means, like, we've been around long enough. Like, I've even given away some of my LVD because mm -hmm. it's, like, you can't keep it from five years ago. Um, yeah, so it's it's really cool to have, like, been around that long even that people have, like, sized up in our apparel they've gone from a small to a medium because they've been training in the gym like oh, yeah it's cool to be yeah. part of those life cycles now absolutely um what's what are you most proud about i mean you've haven't even been on this earth uh <laughs> like you know what is your proudest accomplished thus far it's a really good question um I don't know if I can even like pin it down to like one thing. I think it's honestly probably just like always sticking with my gut. And even when I was younger, like when I quit competing dance, like I went from studio dance to hip hop. Like 
I knew in my gut when that time was there. Every job I've ever left, like I knew in my gut that it was time for the next thing. And I think I'm proud of sticking to that because I could be sitting like one of my first jobs out of school was very corporate. I had better pay than I should have as a new grad because I actually worked through university and my my boss knew that. So he pushed for me to get Mm. a better pay. I had my own office when like maybe a dozen people at the company had an office. Um, But I know that I wouldn't be happy if I was still there. And I'm I'm proud of sticking my gut with that every time because I know like it's easy to look back and be like, cool, I could probably like have bought a lot of stuff by Mm -hmm. now. (laughs) But I'm just proud that I like stuck to it. And I did things that I actually feel like have impact because I feel like if something happened tomorrow, I can confidently say that I had impact in my life. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that for whatever reason is significant to my being. And I wouldn't be able to live with myself if I didn't have that. Yeah. You're the second guest. This is my last guest. Um, She did something in later in her life, but she also worked a full-time government job in national security yeah. And dropped everything and went on like a five year quest of like understand like it fascinates me and you know, this is like I mean, truth be told, I would love for one day this podcast to blow up and this mm-hmm. be my only thing. Because as I'm sure when you were starting, you know, to balance something you're truly passionate about not to say I'm not passionate about my job, but with, you know, a full time life or, or or a family. It's like yeah. it's hard to balance everything especially when you're not monetizing your your dream yet yeah and i think that um there's a very traditional path that existed and we're at that weird point where like eight-year-olds are making millions on youtube (laughs) right like crazy yeah but we're at that point where like paths are gonna look really different and i just think like I guess if I stayed at a corporate job, I never would have known what it was like mm-hmm. to not. But now that I know, like, I, I just can't go back. And it's something that I really want to help other people do. Like, I want to help people make their side thing their full-time thing. Because once you do it and you realize, like, you can actually experience life in a different way. And it's like you don't have to grind 9 to 5 and then kind of enjoy your weeknights when you're exhausted. And think about your job on the weekends when mm-hmm. it's not really going to be that impactful for you um even when I quit my job my sister went on maternity leave and just seeing how much time I spent at my sister's house because I could because I could go work from there because if she needed to shower I could drop everything and go over so she could shower and not worry about this new baby Mm -hmm. just sitting there that she Mm -hmm. brought into the world like it's stuff like that or sometimes it gets inconvenient because people think you don't have a job so you can drop everything all the time, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, being able to do that for people that are important to you, it's just like I can't imagine not being there for them, you know? Even mm-hmm. my mom got pneumonia. I know it's been going around for a lot of people. And one of my sisters lives in Toronto and she texted me and she's like, can you just go hang out with mom today? Because it would make me feel better because I can't be there. I'm like, you know what? I can't. I threw everything in a backpack and I just went and worked for my parents' house. Mm -hmm. And it's those little things that are super rewarding. Absolutely. Um, Where do you you want to take this? I'm sure that question or the answer to that question changes all the time. Yeah. Uh, but like right now in this moment, w- where do you want to take yourself, your brands, your company? Like what is like you would be able to be like, maybe you're not done, but like I, th- this is everything yeah. I dreamed of. 
Well, it's funny you ask that because I've spent the last month having like (laughs) strategy sessions mixed with identity crisis, Mm. which is a big part of entrepreneurship Mm -hmm. too. But honestly, what I've, I've literally like narrowed it down to a statement for you, but I want to help people level up through money, health and happiness. Because that's what I find when I put it all down on paper, what has changed my life. Fitness and health has changed my life immensely in many different ways. Um, Business and money. I think money, we have this misconception of like if people want money, they're like evil and dirty and like, Mm -hmm. oh, it's not money's not everything. But money comes with a lot of freedoms Um, and teaching people ways that they can be better with their money or new ways to make money so you can afford to do those things that you want to do. And then happiness. I feel that a lot of people aren't actually truly happy and if they did die tomorrow they would probably have a lot of regrets and I think there's a lot of pressures to do certain things and just teaching people that like you can level up in all these little areas and it's slowly going to build that life that you wanted before you even realize so you say level up what do you like you mean improve get better yeah like enhance your life without sounding super cliche like (laughs) (laughs) to me it's like yeah level up at the gym or like with nutrition it's a lot of it is education right I didn't know that I could have multiple income streams, mm-hmm. right? You're taught to go get a job and try to get the best right. paying job. Then when you start to learn about something like multiple income streams, it's life changing and it changes the way you manage your money. It changes how you live your day to day life. And it's something where I feel like through an Instagram post, I could change someone's life by being like, Hey, did you know X? Mm-hmm. Um, even like side hustles, a lot of people are interested in side hustles and there's lots of different ways where you can just take these small steps. Cause people think you have to be like the next Steve jobs to be an entrepreneur. Um, or you have to like do a bodybuilding show to get mm-hmm. into fitness. So I just want to show people that like you can take a little step in each area and you're just going to find that overall your quality of life is just that much better. Um, do you find it particularly challenging to, balance so i mean most of us the nine to five uh we have a boss or someone accountable mm-hmm. at the end of the day like the only one really you're accountable is you or your business partner or yeah your clients of course but at the end of the day the the whatever the puck stops with you i'll right. use a hockey term because yeah. <laughs> hockey's on right now um how like is that a, t- a difficult thing to do knowing that you're the one at the end of the day accountable for everything. And if you choose not to do something, it's not getting done. Personally, I don't find it hard. Like a lot of people ask that. They're like, what does your day look like? I'm like, well, it's the same as if I was doing it at a company. I'm just not doing it at a company. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, Yeah. For me, I found it less satisfying to have a boss. And like, I always found it limiting because I had all these great ideas, but it has to go through these big political processes and then it gets squashed because of some, irrelevant reason the budget exactly (laughs) whereas like when you're doing it for yourself like you will find a way to make a budget Mm -hmm. and so it's definitely really empowering um i do find like i just make to-do lists my boss so Mm. i need to make i am like really really focused and like energizer bunny when i have to-do lists and the second my to-do list starts to get a little slim i'm like a lost wanderer and start having an identity crisis. Like it goes from one end to the other. And I think it's just learning yourself. Like that's what Mm -hmm. I learned is like, as long as I have strong to-do lists, which will be like writing it out the night before or stuff like that, organizing my time. Well, um, I just keep myself accountable. It feels the same as having a boss. As long as Mm -hmm. you're giving yourself deadlines, um, you know, you still know when things have to get done. Yeah. Um, it's all, 
what you've been doing and like I said, like at the beginning, it's it's so interesting to see someone and especially in Ottawa, I know it seems strange, but usually these opportunities you see on the internet are in like that they're out they're LA, they're yeah. New York, they're yeah. even Toronto here in Canada. Yeah. Um is Ottawa always gonna be home, do you think? Do you like or do you look for opportunity to expand somewhere else? No, I've always said like if an opportunity took me somewhere else, like purposefully, um, I I would be open to it. I've never been one that, you know, had to move to Toronto yeah. when I graduated. Um, I think for myself and my partner, family is a really big deal and both of our family is in Ottawa. Um, and to me that alone makes it home. And I always say, like, you can live in Ottawa and you can go to Toronto every weekend or you can go to L.A. And it might be a little bit more expensive on a plane ticket. But if it means that I'm spending that much more time with my family, um, I'm cool with that. So balance is really important for you. Yeah. And I think it's just like at the end of the day, why are you doing all these things? It's to be with those people, right? Like, I want that flexibility so if my mom's sick, I can go over. Or I want to be able on a Saturday night to go to one of Josh's big fam jams. Like, Mm -hmm. I think that's really important. Yeah. Um, Are there any, like, readings or books or authors or particular people that, you know, you listen to or you read from, like, that gives you good sound advice? That if someone were to be, like, you know, listening to this podcast and you're like, Mallory's got me going, I'm going to go do X... Like, that is just, like, a good kind of, like, a foundation where you could learn a little bit about whatever it is, entrepreneurship or business. I'm yeah. sure there's quite a bit. But, like, what got, like, what resonates with you? Um, definitely the Rich Dad, Poor Dad series, okay. if you've heard of that. It's one of those ones. It has a whole bunch of different books, but there's a main one. Um, it's around the whole mindset, around finances and business and the concept is he grew up with an academic father and then his friend's dad was an entrepreneur and so he kind of tells the story of growing up with both of those as his dads both offering conflicting advice and in the moment not knowing who's right and in hindsight seeing um who was right so to speak in certain areas and who was you know obviously the academic has the more traditional path um it was really really interesting like my partner Josh even just got his real estate license basically because of that book. Oh, wow. Um, so it's a good one to like flip your life upside down for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one where you almost have to reread because it's just so out left field of what you expect and what we've been taught um, that it takes a while to really understand it. But that's a really, really great series. Um, if you have a business or you're looking to start a business, Profit First is like, again, great business because it's really easy to bleed out. Um, your finances and to struggle with cash flow in business. And it basically recreates the um, formula that you're using to make sure that you always are producing profit and it helps you cut all the expenses you don't need. Hmm. Um, I only just read that recently and I was like, wow, I wish we read this like two years ago. Um, That's a really, really great one. And like a big book nerd. So I'm trying to pick. <laughs> Those are really good for like flipping everything you knew upside down. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's a good start. Yeah. What's next? What, uh, what is the um, immediate projects that is coming up for you? So immediate right now, um, the fitness program I was talking about, it's actually called Mal made me do it. Um, it started almost as like a joke hashtag and then we just kind of stuck with it. So that's the fitness program. Mm -hmm. And I'm working right now on transferring that to a new format. That'll be really good for going forward. Um, more of a seamless experience after we've done this kind of initial test. So that's my project right now so that we can 
fully release and mm-hmm. do more. We've only really soft launched the actual program. Okay. Um, so release that. And then I'm actually working on some business courses so that um, a lot of the consults that I do or questions I receive in my DMs are very similar questions. So trying to put that all pen to paper um, oh. with another friend of mine, actually. And so that'll kind of be our summer project. Um for two purposes, right? To help teach people this, but passive income sources are not a bad idea. Yeah. So you'll be giving the the course. Or yeah. Like you'll be writing it. Yeah. So it's going to be online course. It'll be videos and downloadable stuff. So things like worksheets or checklists, um, video instructions, whole bunch of different formats for people who learn differently. Oh, interesting. Um, okay. Where can people find you? Where can people purchase LVD, follow you on, uh... Yeah. So everything is just my name, Mallory Rowan, um, and my business is LVD Fitness. So my website's MalloryRowan.com, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook is all Mallory Rowan. Um, and same with LVD. Everything is LVD Fitness. Perfect. And you can follow the Life in Red podcast, Facebook, Instagram, Life in Red podcast, and Twitter, Life in Red pod. The great, powerful Mallory Rowan. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Bye, everybody. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes.